AEW successful? Why is Tony Khan running his promotion better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard are running Monday night and Friday night? Long-term booking. What is going on, guys? Thank you so very much for stopping by the channel once again today. This is episode 415 of Off The Script. I am JD from New York, and this is the OTS Venue. Thank you guys very much for joining me on your Thursday afternoons, wherever you may be. It's been a nonstop week of professional wrestling news, man, from... Stone Cold Steve Austin and the rumor of him coming back to the WWE, not just for WrestleMania. There's rumor that he may be back longer than WrestleMania, which is just absolutely insane to even think about. A 57-year-old Stone Cold Steve Austin back on WWE television being used in a legend capacity Because WWE can't build up their own roster. They can't build up new, fresh superstars on Monday and Friday night. It's just out of this world to me. Then we have the Cody Rhodes situation. He left AEW, presumably has left AEW on his way to WWE. We talked about Cody Rhodes and his start dates with World Wrestling Entertainment. As of this weekend, per Sports Illustrated, Cody will be at the WWE Performance Center and he will be filming vignettes for his triumphant return to WWE. Do I believe it? I'm not even sure yet. I'm not. I think I'm one of the many people that have talked about this. I'm one of the very few people that have really dove headfirst into this Cody Rhodes situation kind of attacking it at all angles. It is Thursday afternoon, and I still am not confident that he's going to show up. It's definitely going to be one of those situations that we're going to have to wait and see. And also, today, I got news on AJ Styles. AJ Styles wants Edge at WrestleMania. I got news on WWE Elimination Chamber. There will be twists and turns. I am very afraid of what that actually means. Downright terrified about what that actually means. Backstage news on AEW plans for Buddy Murphy, a.k.a. Buddy Matthews. He's joining AEW. Where does he fit in? The newest surprise, or the the latest news, rather, on the latest surprise, that is WrestleMania. Who will be joining Stone Cold Steve Austin and Brock Lesnar and Ronda Rousey at the show of shows this year. What are plans for Lita? 
following WrestleMania. NXT Stand and Deliver. That's been announced. When will that be taking place? And WWE has ended 205 Live. We got a lot to get into, guys. I appreciate you joining me on Thursday afternoon. This is episode 415. Follow me on social media, at JD from NY206. That's Twitter and Instagram. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. We are legitimately, as I look at my YouTube studio right now, we are 18 subscribers away from 131,000 subscribers. So make sure you guys go and hit that subscribe button. Get the word out. And please, let's continue the growth, the great growth of the podcast so far in this early 2022. Hit that thumbs up. Let's try for 1,000 likes minimum on today's 415 of Off The Script. If you missed anything, and there's been a ton of it, if you missed anything on the channel this week, make sure you guys go and check out the homepage. Everything you need, as far as Off The Script is concerned, is there. That is Monday Night Raw, NXT, AEW Dynamite, the breaking news on Cody Rhodes, which we went live for on Tuesday. I did something yesterday. I'm doing more today. Action-packed week, and we're not even close to being done yet. We got SmackDown tomorrow, Rampage tomorrow night at 7 p.m., and then Saturday afternoon, the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view where I will be live right here on YouTube to cover it all. So make sure you guys go and check out everything if you missed anything on the channel. And today's podcast is sponsored by my great friends over at Audible. AudibleTrial.com slash script. You guys are going to get 30 days free of their service. Yes, I said free. 30 days free of their service and one free audiobook of your choice. All you guys have to do is use our unique link Download that audiobook. If you guys feel like Audible's not for you, you can cancel it anytime, and you guys can still get to keep your audiobook for free. That is a great deal, if you ask me. That's audibletrial.com slash script, and I want to thank them, as always, for supporting the podcast right here on OTS. Going to start small, man. Let's start at the top. Something that I'm not really sure if you guys actually care about, but I found it to be quite interesting because it's going to be a different take on reality series. Corey Graves and Carmella, as you guys know, are engaged to be married. Today, they announced an upcoming reality series that will be debuting on WWE's YouTube channel. On the latest episode of their podcast, Bear With Us, Corey Graves and Carmella announced that they have an upcoming series on the WWE YouTube channel called Corey and Carmella. We have a reality TV show coming out. We're doing this through WWE, and it's going to be Corey and Carmella, Carmella actually revealed. Corey followed up with this, and I quote, It is in conjunction with WWE, full story, full disclosure, as we like to do here on the show. This has been a project that's been in the works since the infancy of this podcast. It happened right away. We got contacted by our good friends now at a company called Glass Entertainment. They contacted my publicist. They saw our podcast. I don't even know where they saw it. They saw a video that we have posted on our Instagram or something. They contacted my publicist and my publicist contacted me. 
they didn't even realize that we were in WWE. They had no idea. So Carmella says that the publicist was contacted and they didn't even realize that we were in WWE. That's pretty, that's pretty fucking sad. It, it goes to show you how mainstream WWE really is when you have one of the more notable females on the roster in Carmella and Corey Graves, who's on TV every week as their color commentator on Monday Night Raw, their flagship show, and the publicist didn't even know that they were with WWE. That's kind of pathetic, if you ask me. That's just my honest opinion. I don't know if that's true, she says. They had no idea. We brought this to WWE. We said, we have this opportunity. What do you think? Of course, with time, it just takes time to figure out and figure out how we are going to do that and go about it and how they are going to be involved. A lot of negotiation and business and stuff. We wanted it to be as authentic as possible. I don't think they call themselves a reality show anymore. It's unscripted entertainment, says Corey Graves. We shot a pilot. They took the pilot and chopped it up into 10 four-minute episodes. It's not going to be something you see on a network. It's going to be on WWE's YouTube channel. And Graves said this. It's going to drop on February 28th. I believe the entire series will be dropped. That's subject to change, obviously, with WWE. They've been unbelievable about helping us maintain our authenticity as much as we can. It's called Corey and Carmella. But for those of you who listen to us, you're going to recognize more Matt and Leah than what you see on Raw, SmackDown, or anything WWE. It's awesome to have the machine working with us to help us achieve this goal, considering this all began during the pandemic on Instagram Live because Leah and I were bored. So that is coming to the WWE YouTube channel. And all I'll say is this. I'm not really interested in reality TV at all. But if it's going to be unscripted the way that they say, and there's going to be that level of authenticity that you don't really get with a Ms. and Mrs. or Roads to the Top or Total Divas, Total Bellas, which those two shows were heavily scripted. Nia Jax was asked that question. How much of Total Bellas was actually scripted and how much of it was real. She said about 90% of it was scripted. I appreciate that. And I actually may tune in to see what Corey Graves and Carmella are like when they're away from the WWE machine and the WWE shows on Monday and Friday night. So that's pretty respectable and that's pretty interesting to say the least. Corey Graves and Carmella, if you guys are fans of them, That is coming on February 28th, and we have 10 four-minute episodes that will be uploaded on WWE's YouTube. I think the YouTube direction is a great way to go about it. I really do. And if it takes off, maybe it kind of leads into something a little bit more. But starting on the YouTube channel, and they're both popular individuals on the WWE roster, I like it. I think it's a good deal. AJ Styles. AJ Styles, we all can agree that we need AJ to do something a little bit more important on WWE television, especially leading into WrestleMania. He was quoted recently, and this may be one of those seeds being planted. He was quoted recently saying that he wants Edge, desperately wants Edge at WrestleMania. Styles says he would love to work with Edge. He said this in regards to this dream match at WrestleMania. He's so knowledgeable. He's a superstar. 
I would love to get the opportunity to get in the ring with him. There was that time when I thought there would never be an opportunity to wrestle him, and now it is here. The time is limited in which we can pull it off. Whether he or I retire first, who knows? But I want to get that match. I desperately want to get that match. I think it's the one match that most fans would enjoy. And then he was asked if Edge or he and Edge talked about it. He says this, and I quote, yes, the feeling is mutual. We just have to make it happen. I think everybody is pretty much in the same boat going into WrestleMania that Edge and AJ Styles is an absolute no-brainer for WrestleMania 38 in Dallas, Texas at AT AT&T Stadium. An absolute no-brainer. The one thing that stands out in that quote is whether he or I retire first, who knows? AJ's not going anywhere. He's got about three years left on his deal with WWE. Edge, on the other hand, I do believe, unless he's quietly re-signed and we don't know about it, I figured something like that would be in the news if it is something that he went and did. Edge is in the last year of his three-year contract that he signed with WWE. So I don't know what his plans are after this current deal is over. I honestly think with him back, he's gotten that itch, and it's not going to go away anytime soon. And to be quite honest with you guys, Edge at this stage of his career is better than half of that roster. And I think when he's on TV, it makes TV better. Not with The Miz. When he's on TV, it makes TV better. Edge is always great when he's cutting a promo. He's believable. He's legit. He brings a sense of importance to what's going on. And I do believe Edge has quite a lot left in the tank. And I do think with the body of work that he's done, a WWE championship run for a little bit. I'm not saying he's got to hold it like Roman Reigns. A WWE championship run on the, uh, you know on Monday Night Raw at the top would be something that I would actually take great joy in seeing. And I know we want to go younger, and I know we want newer superstars, but it's Edge. It's Edge. He's come back to do what? He's come back to sit to say, "Hey, I could do this," and B, win a world championship at this age, doing some of the best work of his career. I do think that is something that should happen, and it should start with AJ Styles. And I think that's a no-brainer at WrestleMania. Backstage news on the Elimination Chamber. This is quite scary. I don't know what this means. And you guys know why I am deathly afraid of WWE rolling into Saudi Arabia in the month of February with Bill Goldberg on the card in a world title match. WWE has loaded up the lineup for Elimination Chamber. The last big show before WrestleMania 38 in early April. There will be no fast lane this year. Thank God. The top matches on Saturday afternoon will include Bobby Lashley, Brock Lesnar, Seth Rollins, Austin Theory, AJ Styles, and Matt Riddle in an Elimination Chamber WWE Championship match. Roman Reigns will defend the Universal Championship against Goldberg. And Raw Women's Champion Becky Lynch will defend that title against Lita. There are other matches on the show, including a Women's Elimination Chamber match to see who is the number one contender to Becky Lynch at WrestleMania 38. Now, Dave Meltzer noted on today's Wrestling Observer Radio that WWE 
has twists and turns planned for the show. Although no word yet on what this exactly means or what those plans are, it is striking fear into the hearts of everybody who watches WWE programming on a weekly basis. Meltzer says this, and I quote, Roman Reigns and Goldberg should be very short. It should be a lot of spears. Obviously, Roman Reigns has to win, I would think, unless they're doing a storyline where Lesnar costs Reigns the match. Now, I don't know if Dave watches the show like we watch the show or like I watch the show. They're not going to have Lesnar go out there, claim that he will win the, the WWE Championship and then challenge for the Universal Championship at WrestleMania against Roman Reigns, making it a title versus title match, only to have him cost Roman and ruin the match, the very match that he wants in the main event of WrestleMania. It doesn't make sense. But there's always a possibility of that being the case. It's February, it's Saudi, and Goldberg likes to bury in Saudi Arabia. Then Bill would defend the title, I'm assuming, at Mania. Nobody wants to see that. I don't know. I mean, it's possible. There are twists and turns. I was told twists and turns coming on this show, so I don't know what those would be. I know that there would be a push to do title versus title, which means Brock wins the chamber and Roman beats Goldberg. I think most people kind of are expecting that. For Brock to lose in the chamber, I mean, I don't know how you beat him because, again, it's like they haven't done a lot of interference in chambers matches. I suppose you could do it this time, but it would have to take that in order to beat Lesnar. I don't see someone scoring a pinfall on Brock Lesnar. It makes no sense at all to do that building up mania because the whole idea of mania has been to maximize Roman Reigns and maximize Lesnar and make them two of the biggest stars and protect them completely for the main event. End quote. Now, Lesnar did drop the title to Bobby Lashley at the Royal Rumble, but this was due to interference by Roman Reigns. Meltzer added that there are a lot of different ways that they could go. Now, they did drop this tease of title versus title. Lesnar wants the match with Reigns to be title versus title main event at WrestleMania. Why would, why would it be a twist and turn away from that? Now, Reigns cost Lesnar the championship at the Royal Rumble against Lashley. Reigns, again, can't do that here. It's an elimination chamber. Nobody's getting in the cage unless WWE weasels their way when someone is eliminated and the cage is open and then someone else from the outside gets in there. We've seen that done a couple of times before in the past. But the only other twist and turn I could see here are two things. And none of them really regard or involve Lesnar. Goldberg is the first thing that comes to mind. Would WWE actually take the idea proposed by Bully Ray on Busted Open Radio and have Bill Goldberg beat Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship only to do a match, a rematch, on Friday Night SmackDown the following week where Reigns would win the championship and then they get two Bill Goldberg and Roman Reigns matches out of this nothing feud, one on pay-per-view and one to boast about SmackDown and the ratings on Friday night. 
I hope to God that isn't an idea. What sense would that make? It's like you take all these weeks and months of Roman Reigns being the Universal Champion to stop the reign, to give it to Goldberg, to simply put it back on Reigns on the road to WrestleMania to give people unexpected twists and turns. No. No, the, the, the reign should not stop. The reign should not stop at all for Roman Reigns, and Goldberg certainly shouldn't be winning titles anymore for the duration of however long his career is going to be a thing. It should not be the case. I think that is the most ridiculous thing that I've ever heard. It actually harms Roman Reigns if you go and do that option. It harms the universal title. It wastes our time. And it doesn't really do anything at all. But show WWE is desperate for any type of interest. You might as well just stick to the fucking plan and go forward with the plan. And the plan is Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. Just give Lesnar the goddamn fucking title again and have him drop it to Roman at WrestleMania and have Roman become a two-time champion. I don't think that makes any sense at all to have Goldberg win the championship only for Reigns to win it back five days, seven days later, whatever the case may be, on SmackDown. The other twist and turn, the other twist and turn would be, and I think the majority of the audience would actually like this one a little bit better, if Matt Riddle or AJ Styles won the Elimination Chamber, that's a twist and turn. Nobody's really expecting AJ Styles to win the Elimination Chamber, especially with Brock Lesnar being in the same match. But maybe something happens there where Lesnar gets taken out and a situation happens where someone's getting eliminated. Say Austin Theory's getting eliminated and the referees are opening the cage door to the Elimination Chamber and out comes Austin Theory and in comes Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns to open up the floodgates. Reigns takes out Lesnar again. Spear, Superman punch. This opens up Bobby Lashley to giving him a spear of his own. One, two, three. And Roman Reigns enters the Elimination Chamber behind the referee's back in the most slyest of ways, takes out Lesnar again, and Lesnar is eliminated. But why would Reigns want to do that? Let Lesnar win the championship. If Lesnar wants the championship match at WrestleMania to be title versus title, why wouldn't Reigns want a second title knowing he could beat Brock Lesnar? It doesn't make sense to me. So let him win the championship. Let him go to WrestleMania. You have the opportunity not only to be the Universal Champion, but the WWE Champion. None of it makes logical sense if they want to do twists and turns. Styles and Riddle would be a twist and turn. We started to get the seeds planted about Randy Orton and Matt Riddle splitting away from RK-Bro. So Randy Orton was on Monday night. He was interviewed by Kevin Patrick, and he said... I'm going to show Seth Rollins the three most dangerous letters in all WWE. It wasn't RK-Bro. It was RKO. We may be seeing Randy Orton kind of get tired of Matt Riddle because he's all fun and games and he doesn't take anything seriously. And Randy Orton's like, why am I associating myself with somebody that wants to act like a jerk and a geek all the time? And here I am. I want to continue my career. I don't want to stay in a tag team with this guy when I could be winning world championships. So Matt Riddle could win the Elimination Chamber. Matt Riddle could win the WWE Championship. Matt Riddle could defend the WWE Championship against Randy Orton at WrestleMania after Randy Orton turns on Matt Riddle for kind of coasting by. What have you done? You're a fucking nerd. You're an idiot. All you do is party and you you, you make lighthearted jokes and you're the WWE Champion, Randy Orton. 
that would be more than enough to turn on Matt Riddle. But I don't think that's the right road for those guys to go in either. I don't think that they necessarily need the championship to get their match across at WrestleMania. If they want to do the match, fine. Have Randy Orton win the WWE Championship at some point in the spring going into the summer. Have Matt Riddle win the Money in the Bank. And then crown Matt Riddle the WWE Champion at SummerSlam when he gets his revenge on Randy Orton at SummerSlam in... Where, where is it taking place? Uh, Boston, I believe? I'm not sure. SummerSlam. So that's what I would do there. That's a twist and turn. Then we have AJ Styles and the factor of AJ Styles. AJ Styles could win the Elimination Chamber because nobody's expecting that to happen. He's been buried on Monday Night Raw. He's got no momentum, no consistency on Monday night. He could go into the chamber, win the chamber, win the championship, come out, and then start his feud with Edge going into WrestleMania. AJ Styles versus Edge could be your WWE Championship match going into WrestleMania. Those are two twists and turns that I would actually be open to because they're different and they're involving people that before all of this you wouldn't necessarily be thinking about to be plugged into the main event scene. It's all revolving around Lesnar and Reigns. So if it's not Lesnar, it's going to be a twist and turn. But if you're thinking about Goldberg being a twist and turn and winning the Universal Championship, you guys should put that shit to bed immediately. So WWE apparently is going to be planning twists and turns for the Elimination Chamber going into WrestleMania. What they are, I have no fucking idea. But the reason why I'm so afraid is because Bill Goldberg, February, Kevin Owens, he beat Kevin Owens. February, he beat Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt apparently by, from what I hear, is still buried out in Saudi Arabia. Imagine Goldberg beating Owens, Wyatt, and then Roman in the month of February to win championship gold. This is his WrestleMania. This is his mini Undertaker streak. Is he going to win another championship at a Saudi Arabia show? I pray to God that is not the case. WWE, speaking of WrestleMania, have another surprise for WrestleMania on the same level as Stone Cold Steve Austin during Wrestling Observer Radio. Dave Meltzer confirmed that Stone Cold Steve Austin will be wrestling Kevin Owens at WrestleMania. I don't know if you guys were on Twitter enough yesterday to see the tweet put out by WrestlingInc.com. Andrew Zarian was coming up with potential dream opponents if Austin does stay past WrestleMania. One of those names that Andrew Zarian brought to the table was Bill Goldberg. He never said anything about Bill Goldberg versus Stone Cold Steve Austin being the match that WWE is going with at WrestleMania. Wrestling Inc. made it seem like Stone Cold Steve Austin and Bill Goldberg was the planned match for WrestleMania 38. How fucking sad would that have been? He had to come on social media and said, hey guys, um, I never said that. And they quickly took that tweet down. My goodness. What is WWE thinking in 2022? I can't see how that benefits anybody. Why would anybody be interested in that? Stone Cold Steve Austin wrestling is definitely an interesting prospect. I will give it that. How is he going to fare? What type of match is it going to be? Who is it going to be against? If it's five, six, seven minutes where he doesn't have to overdo it, and stress himself out, it could be something that is memorable for WrestleMania. But if you're going to have Austin go in there and have a full-fledged match, I don't think that's what we really need. And Kevin Owens, you know, he would probably have that on his resume. Listen, I lost. 
I was used as a vehicle to get Stone Cold Steve Austin to come out of retirement and have a, a last mini run in his career. But I have it on my resume that I wrestled Stone Cold Steve Austin at WrestleMania 38. How many people could put on their resume that they wrestled at WrestleMania and were in the ring with Stone Cold Steve Austin? It's a pretty big deal if you're Kevin Owens. I don't really have any interest in it in a general sense, but this is WWE. I get why they're going out and reaching out to Stone Cold. I get it. They got to sell two nights at 100,000 seats per night. Stone Cold Steve Austin and his return to the ring is going to sell out any night that he's on. I get why they're doing it. WWE, they feel like they're bigger than they really are. Nobody told them to run AT&T Stadium and fill 100,000 fucking seats at WrestleMania. I appreciate that they're actually doing a two-night WrestleMania because it's better than a one-night, eight-hour WrestleMania. Two nights is much better at four hours each, right? But I don't really get the long-term thing about Stone Cold Steve Austin. It's actually pathetic, and WWE exposes themselves as, hey, we don't have any new guys. We still got to rely on Stone Cold Steve Austin, who's been retired. For how many fucking years has Stone Cold been retired? Give me a break. Everybody's talking about it, but nobody really brings up the fucking core issue. They're afraid to talk about WWE's lack of creating new stars. But I get why they're doing it. They have another surprise planned that is on par, if not bigger, than Stone Cold Steve Austin. There's apparently one more surprise, says Dave Meltzer, besides Stone Cold Steve Austin. And that is supposed to be Austin level or bigger. Now, that list of people is very small. The only one that I could really think of is Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. And I do think that Rock is going to be at WrestleMania. He's not going to show face until the Roman match. He's not going to be a host or a guest host. He's not going to have a backstage segment. He's not going to appear via a promo package or a vignette. Rock will be in Dallas at AT&T Stadium. And when Roman wins both championships, it will take the head of the table and the Tribal Chief storyline to a new level where somebody in the family is going to have to do something to say, enough is enough of this shit. You're not the same Roman. You're not the same kid that I remember growing up with. You're not anything like what family should be here in our family. I'm coming to put an end to this. And then The Rock appears and goes off the air, confronting Roman Reigns. Huge-ass fucking pop for The Rock's theme music. He comes out, confronts Roman Reigns. Don't know what he would say. Don't know if he will even say anything. I think the image of Rock and Roman in the ring together is all people need to see. And I think they would get what is actually going on here. Next year, WrestleMania, you already have your main event for Los Angeles. It's going to be Roman Reigns and The Rock for whatever championship Roman is still holding at that point, whether he holds one title or both titles. It will be a title match going into WrestleMania next year, and WWE will be taking Roman and Rock the same way that they did Rock and John Cena, and we're going to get that one-year build. That is the only thing possible that I could think of that's on par with Stone Cold Steve Austin coming back and being at that level. Now, you do have The Undertaker. I don't think The Undertaker coming out of retirement is... A great thing either. I'm well past that stage of my life. If The Undertaker's going to be there, he is a Texas native. Maybe he gets a proper Hall of Fame induction by himself at WrestleMania on the night one or night two of the show. I don't know. 
his farewell at Survivor Series was completely fucking ridiculous. It was awful. It was in front of the WWE Thunderdome. So I could see WWE doing something along the lines with The Undertaker, having him give a proper farewell to the fans at WrestleMania that they have jam-packed 100,000 deep at WrestleMania. I could see that. What about Shawn Michaels coming out of retirement? We saw it in Saudi that Shawn Michaels is still able to go. Triple H, not so much. Kane and The Undertaker against DX was a botch fest that nobody will ever forget. It was downright embarrassing. Triple H got injured. He needed surgery after that match. It was just fucking awful. Shawn Michaels carried that entire match. Shawn Michaels was still capable of doing Shawn Michaels things in that match and was the only one that I could realistically say he still has some of it. He doesn't have all of it. Minus his hair, he still has some of it. Maybe Shawn Michaels comes out of retirement. Maybe we get Shawn Michaels versus AJ Styles. That was rumored all those years ago. Maybe. That would be on the level of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Do I see that happening? No. But I do think that The Rock is going to be that Austin-level surprise. It's going to be actually bigger than Stone Cold Steve Austin. And The Rock will be there in the main event of WrestleMania to confront Roman Reigns and do what he has to do for next year's WrestleMania and get that main event squared away. And you already have it in your mind. WWE's got to sell tickets to next year's WrestleMania. That's an instant sellout right there. Rock wrestling for the final time ever against Roman. WWE's got to sign, seal, and deliver that match. And they have WrestleMania 39 in SoFi Stadium completely sold out before tickets even go on sale. Speaking of WrestleMania weekend, NXT TakeOver is no more, but we're still getting Stand and Deliver this year. Last year, we got TakeOver, Stand and Deliver. That was night one and night two. One on the WWE Network and one on the USA Network. I quite enjoyed that. I enjoyed night one better than night two, but we're getting a Stand and Deliver this year, WrestleMania weekend. NXT is set to hold their second Stand and Deliver show over WrestleMania weekend, and the date and start time for the event have now been revealed. WrestleVotes on Twitter is reporting that the event is set for Saturday, April 2nd from the American Airlines Center in Dallas, Texas, with a start time of 11 a.m. Central Time. WrestleVotes says, and I quote, NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver is scheduled for Saturday morning, April 2nd for the American Airlines Center in Dallas, Texas, Local start time of 11 a.m. Long day for fans who will attend Mania that night as well. End quote. That is a ballsy fucking move by WWE. WrestleMania weekend is a centralized location for a lot of different wrestling promotions across the world. Everybody kind of migrates where WrestleMania is going to be. There are a lot of indie shows going on at that time on a Saturday. In the morning, that's spread throughout the entire afternoon, all weekend. This is a ballsy move for WWE. Not only for that reason, but this NXT brand, I don't think is actually that interesting enough, that popular enough, that big enough. I don't think that there are many people that care about NXT now since Triple H's vision was killed to fill the American Airlines Center in Dallas, Texas. This is going to be the one and only true test of NXT, for NXT, 
if they could sell tickets for the American Airlines Center, this NXT 2.0, you're going to gauge how how many people are interested in NXT based off this stand and deliver show. It's not a takeover show. Do not disrespect takeover and the meaning of takeover and the value that Triple H had given takeover. Do not disrespect it in any way by calling this a takeover. This is not. Bruce and Vince have killed NXT and takeover was killed along with it. This is not a takeover. Will not resemble anything like Triple H did with takeover. But this is the true test. Indie shows that I'm sure will be a lot more interesting with a lot bigger stars and filling the American Airlines Center. WWE's got some fucking balls, let me tell you. But I do think, and this is a prediction, I'm not really sure. Dolph Ziggler's been on TV. AJ Styles has been on TV for NXT. Who else is going to show face on NXT leading to stand and deliver? They're going to need main, main roster talent on this show. They're not selling this show out with Braun Breaker and Tony D'Angelo and fucking uh, the Creed Brothers, MSK. They're not selling that show out. I can almost guarantee you that Braun Breaker versus Walter is going to be the NXT championship match for TakeOver, or stand, I'm calling it TakeOver because I miss fucking TakeOver. Walter versus Braun Breaker is going to be the main event for Stand and Deliver. That's, that's my prediction. That's, the, that's what we've seen as of Tuesday on television. Walter wants the NXT championship. I could see Walter winning the NXT championship and Braun Breaker going to the main roster. I could see that absolutely happening. I could also see Walter going to the main roster, which I actually would prefer, but I don't really trust, and I think that is a disaster waiting to happen. But I could see that match headlining, standing the deliver for the NXT title. There needs to be, or there is most certainly going to be, main roster talent on this show to help sell tickets and help make it feel like a big deal compared to everything else that's going on during the morning hours of WrestleMania weekend where other shows are absolutely going to be more important and a little bit more special. You got to entice fans to come somehow. Is it going to work? I don't think anything WWE is going to do is going to work. 11 a.m. I'm not even sure I'm going live for that, man. I got to wake up on Saturday morning, 11 a.m., and watch fucking fucking NXT wrestling, knowing that we're we're all going to be in for a long evening anyway with WrestleMania. Jesus Christ, man, I'm not looking forward to WrestleMania weekend. WWE Raw, the ratings are in for the go-home show for the Elimination Chamber on Sci-Fi. This week's episode of Monday Night Raw saw an increase. It drew an average of 1.602 million viewers on Sci-Fi, which is up from the 1.387 million viewers the show did last week. The lowest rating in the history of the show was last week's Monday Night Raw. And it was a bad show. I will say it was a bad show. The 18 to 49 demo saw the average rating coming at a 0.44. That's up from a 0.36. This aired on Sci-Fi due to the Olympic coverage on USA Network. Next week's show will return to the USA Network. And last week, like I said, marked a new record low in viewership for the show that originally premiered in 1993. Monday Night Raw was insufferable on Monday night. It really was. Randy Orton and Seth Rollins didn't make any sense. AJ Styles and Damian Priest for the United States Championship. That went four minutes. We had the Broga party for Matt Riddle and Randy Orton that he didn't even show up for Randy Orton. Just a lot of the same shit. A lot of the, there was a gauntlet match with Rhea Ripley. Rhea Ripley was the best thing about Monday Night Raw. That alone 
shows you and tells you how bad Monday Night Raw was on Monday night. Alexa Bliss was announced for the Elimination Chamber. Not a very good show at all on Monday night. Lita. Lita was on the show on Monday night in a contract signing with Becky Lynch. I didn't like it. I think Becky Lynch is insufferable with this current character. She's portraying on television. Lita is as dull as fucking dishwater. Lita apparently has no plans after the Elimination Chamber. WWE has no plans for Lita after the Elimination Chamber. So she was interviewed with Sports Illustrated and Justin Barrasso. She says, and I quote, Currently, I was just asked to do this match. I know everything can change in WWE at the drop of a hat. There's a lot of opportunity here. And just because there are no current plans doesn't mean there won't be. This is also allowing me to focus on the task at hand, which is to put on a killer match and not focus on anything else except Elimination Chamber. Should Lita stick around in WWE if they actually have plans for her? I, 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 don't, I don't want her to stick around. I hope she goes away. Having Lita on Monday Night Raw and in the women's division, it's just like Stone Cold Steve Austin coming back. It's not really focusing on the new stars, and it shows a heavy reliance on the old stars because WWE fails to create fails to trust any of the current talent on the show. That is a major problem. But if she was to stick around, she said she would love to work with Rhea Ripley. The roster is so deep, she says, there are limitless dream matches, which is false, on the roster right now. Rhea Ripley is one of them. She is so young, but she's already so powerful and grounded. It would be an honor to work with her, end quote. Since 2006, when she retired as a full-time star, Lita has worked a few multi-woman matches, even faced Heath Slater in a no-DQ match in 2012. Lita and Lynch came about last minute because WWE has everybody else in the Elimination Chamber, and that left Becky Lynch with no opponent at the Elimination Chamber in Saturday. They needed a bigger name to go up against Becky on the road to WrestleMania with this show taking place in Saudi Arabia. It's a dream match to some. It's not a dream match to me. And it's a very predictable one at that. Becky Lynch wins. She goes on to wrestle Bianca Belair at WrestleMania. And then they tie up all those loose ends there with Bianca winning the championship, which I will talk about at a later time because I don't necessarily think Bianca's going to be any more over after beating Becky Lynch than she was last year beating Sasha Banks in a match that was much more important than anything she could possibly do or create with Becky Lynch. Lita has no plans, and I'm not surprised by that. WWE has no plans for anybody. Never mind a returning Lita. 205 Live. No more. It is dead. WWE has finally killed 205 Live. NXT Level Up is beginning on Peacock. PW Insider is reporting that 205 Live is finished. It was first reported a few weeks ago by Dave Meltzer that there was talk of ending the brand, and it appears to be happening now. PWI noted that the decision to end the show happened earlier this week, but had been in the works for some time. The writing was on the wall when they began including wrestlers that were well over the 205-pound limit, like Odyssey Jones of NXT. They started to include a bunch of ladies' matches, a bunch of women's matches, on the show. That's not really cruiserweight division. In place of 205 Live, WWE is now presenting NXT Level Up 
NXT's been long rumored to have a second show. This is it. So we have NXT 2.0 on Tuesday night, and then NXT Level Up on Friday nights at 10 p.m. These people are mentally ill. What else is happening on Friday night at 10 p.m.? A show that I think we all kind of enjoy most weeks called AEW Rampage. This will be a 60-minute show to follow in the same vein as AEW Rampage. The first taping happened right before Vengeance Day on Tuesday. The Cruiserweight division was something very special to me. That Cruiserweight Championship tournament was fucking fantastic. WWE killed it immediately once they brought it to Monday Night Raw. The people in charge up there didn't know how to handle it, didn't know how to book it, and they looked at these guys as talent that they necessarily wanted to keep on the roster for whatever reason because they gave the show a different feel. But people like Greg Metalik and Drew Gulak and Brian Kendrick and Cedric Alexander, Mustafa Ali, Tony Nese, very talented, but not people that WWE necessarily pushes on a weekly basis on Monday night or Friday night. They never fully embraced the cruiserweight division. And, and it died almost immediately. We got, we got some bangers with Ali and Buddy Murphy, Cedric and Brian Kedrick. Rich Swan was there. A bunch of different matches. Great tag team matches there. Lindsay Dorado, Graham Metallic, they put on bangers. Gulak, when he was cruiserweight champion. Remember when he was cruiserweight champion in Triple H's NXT? He, he took on more of a Daniel Bryan role when Daniel Bryan was there in WWE. It was f- fucking great. And they killed it. They absolutely killed it. Never really done anything with the Cruiserweight Championship. It was always delegated to the fucking pre-show during all these pay-per-views. They never fully embraced it. And then when we see it now, you know, there was new Cruiserweight division with Roderick Strong as his champion. He was wrestling guys over the 205-pound weight limit. Joe Gacy was one of his most recent opponents. Then they put him in the ring with Carmelo Hayes in a unification match And had Carmelo Hayes beat Roderick Strong, have the veteran put over the youngster, and they actively killed the cruiserweight division and the cruiserweight title. Triple H had to take it back from the main roster and made it an exclusive brand for NXT. We got Angel Garza, we got Cameron Grimes, we got Leo Rush doing things with the cruiserweight championship that we all loved. He was putting on bangers with Angel Garza. And it's dead. It's absolutely dead. That Cruiserweight Classic is WWE's, one of WWE's finest productions. I loved everything about that. So much memory coming out of that. That Cedric Kota Ibushi match, fucking Brian Kendrick and the story he told, Rich Swan and the story that he was telling on his way back after having both his mother and father pass away. Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano started their entire deal there. Mauro Ronaldo and... Daniel Bryan on commentary. Full Sail University and the energy of Full Sail University. Please sign Cedric because of the match he had with Kota Ibushi. How did they fuck it up? How did they fuck it up? It's so unreal to me. And now, cruiserweights in WWE once again dead, never to return. 205 Live Dead NXT Level Up premieres tomorrow night, 10 p.m., on Peacock. I'll tune in. I'll tune in on Saturday morning to see what's going on. If we get any new talent on the show, 
or if it's another show where we get some of the newer talent that's going to wrestle NXT as well as NXT level up. I don't know. I have no idea what the show is going to be, who's going to be on it, what the commentary team's going to be, what the color scheme's going to look like. No idea. I guess we'll find out on Friday night. Moving on here, man. We got AEW Dynamite. The ratings are in, and it draws the lowest total viewership and key demo since December. Dynamite did not do well in the ratings this week. 869,000 live viewers. That is down from the 1.12 million viewers the show did last week. In the 18 to 49 demo, the show did a 0.31 rating. And that is down from a 0.41 rating. This is the lowest total viewership and key demo rating since December 1st. Dynamite ranked number three in the top 150 shows on cable for the night. That is down from number one, which they did last week. And that's not a good rating for what I thought was an excellent show. And we're getting a great card for Revolution. I don't know what's happening on TV. It's so up and down. One week it'll do a million. Then it'll do something like 869. Then it'll be 970. I don't know what was happening on TV on Wednesday night, but everybody on social media that fucking hates AEW is probably throwing a fucking parade. AEW's dead. AEW's dying. Tony Khan is actively killing the promotion. Cody Rhodes is joining the winning team. Look at what he's done with his departure. He's actively killed AEW. I I hear it now. I hear it now. The ratings don't really mean much to me. They don't. They fluctuate all the time. I don't really gauge anything on ratings. I gauge by what I watch. The ratings are just a number. Dynamite was great last night. Monday Night Raw usually sucks most weeks. Friday Night Smackdown sucks. It's the worst wrestling show ever. It's the worst wrestling show in all of the land right now. It's worse than Raw, believe it or not. That doesn't deserve a 2-2 or a 2-3 on Friday night. Where are those people and what the fuck are they doing? The ratings mean nothing to me. Dynamite was great. Revolution is being set up as an absolute fucking top-to-bottom banger for AEW. Just enjoy the fucking show. Seriously, just enjoy the show. Raw sucks. SmackDown sucks. Dynamite, for the most part, is very good on a weekly basis. It's not the perfect show, but that's the way I see it. I enjoy pro wrestling on Wednesday nights. I do not enjoy pro wrestling on Monday or Friday nights where my intelligence is insulted, and I'm very excited about Revolution on March 6th. We got some AEW news here. Kenny Omega's contract... There is news about Kenny Omega's contract being that Cody Rhodes is now jumping ship, quote-unquote, to WWE. Everybody's talking about who else in the elites got contracts up. The Bucks just signed through 2024. Jim Ross has a contract that's coming up relatively soon. Chris Jericho just signed an extension through 2024. Kenny Omega's contract situation, now that Cody Rhodes is making headlines everywhere about his contract and departure to WWE, In the latest edition of the Wrestling Observer, Dave Meltzer discussed rumors that WWE was looking to sign one of the founding members of AEW, stating Cody Rhodes would be the only name available. Meltzer noted that Kenny Omega's current contract is set to expire on February 1st, 2023. So legitimately less than a year for Kenny Omega. I don't think Kenny Omega's going anywhere. 
For everybody that says, oh, Kenny Omega is going to be the next one to jump. No, he's not. Kenny Omega, he is more than just a paycheck. He's more than just a name. He takes incredible pride in his work. And if he's not going to be able to work the way that he wants, why would he go somewhere where they would not give him the, the foundation and the canvas to work like he usually works and work the way he wants. Tony Khan is not going to take that canvas away from him. Tony Khan's going to give him the paintbrushes in the paint and let him go out there and do what he wants. Kenny Omega's not going anywhere. It should not even be a discussion right now as far as what's going on with Kenny Omega and AEW. It would be ridiculous for Kenny Omega to join WWE. I, I just don't see it. I just don't see it. Jim Ross, he's got another one with the contract coming up. Ross signed a three-year deal in April of 2019 when he joined AEW to serve as an announcer and senior advisor. Since then, he's called pay-per-view events and the majority of Dynamite episodes alongside Tony Schiavone and Excalibur. Ross confirmed in an interview recently that his contract is slated to expire in April. AEW is a really cool spot, says Jim Ross, especially a guy like me. My contract is up soon. I'm not looking to go anywhere, but nonetheless, I'm 70 years old. I have to be realistic at some point in my crazy-ass life. I haven't been. My late wife would say, amen to that. Here's a character. I'm loving what I'm doing. It's still fun for me. As long as you keep that element in the place of work, you're all right and doing good. End quote. I love JR. I do. And as long as he's happy and still happy doing what he's doing, let's keep him. I don't think Jim Ross should be the voice of AEW anymore. I don't. I think Jim Ross should be brought back for pay-per-views only. I think AEW should go out and sign Mauro Ronaldo and bring Mauro in and make Mauro the voice of AEW Dynamite. I think we need to start shifting towards the commentary team and Excalibur is fantastic at what he does. I think he's... I don't want to sound I don't want to sound negative about this, but I think Excalibur sometimes sounds a little too markish. Tony Schiavone's great. He's got that voice that just resonates with you. It just brings back a sense of nostalgia. It's a powerful voice in Tony Schiavone. I love Tony. Excalibur sounds a little bit too markish for me sometimes. Knowledgeable as fuck, but he sounds a little too over the top sometimes. Bring in Moro, have Moro be the guy and have everybody else Feed off Moro, man. I would absolutely fucking jump over the moon if AEW brought in Moro and all. Moro actually called the Kenny Omega and Rich Swan match last year, and I was all over it. The reason why I ordered that pay-per-view to watch Kenny and Rich Swan fight, AEW title versus Impact title, it was because of Moro. I ordered that pay-per-view to hear Moro call a Kenny Omega match just to get a glimpse of what he would do and what he would bring to the table on AEW television. I love JR, but it may be time for him to go. Sign him and have him do pay-per-views. I don't think Jim Ross needs to do weekly television every single week. Go out and enjoy your life. Come back during the pay-per-views and make him a special attraction. AEW's got a pay-per-view. Jim Ross is going to be there on the commentary team. Buddy Matthews. Buddy Matthews is the latest in signings for AEW. During today's Wrestling Observer Radio, Dave Meltzer talked about the possibility and the plans of Buddy Matthews coming in to AEW, which appears for him to be joining the House of Black. Now, if you guys missed Dynamite last night, the House of Black cut a vignette 
and Malachi was playing cards, tarot cards. Brody Lee was at the table with him. Malachi was talking about whatever he was talking about. There was a knock on the door. And Brody Lee said, are we expecting anybody? And Malachi said, or Brody, Brody King, I said Brody Lee. Brody King said, are we expecting anybody? And Malachi said, yes, history. And then you see the silhouette of somebody that looked vague, but I knew who it was. It was Buddy Matthews. You've seen the outline of his trademark beard, and I knew immediately that it was him. I didn't know he was on his way in. I didn't know that there was any interest in Buddy Matthews, but he is going to be joining AEW, and apparently it's been in the works since January for Buddy Matthews to join AEW. I think this is a great signing. Buddy Matthews is absolutely undervalued and underappreciated, underutilized in WWE, him coming to AEW. The bangers that he could have with anybody, man, is fucking, the, a list is mile long. It's crazy. Put him in the ring with Bryant. Put him in the ring with uh, Cole. Put him in the ring with uh, Pac, Lucha Brothers. It, it's crazy. Sammy, Darby, Andrade. The matches are out of this world. Possibilities are out of this world. Plus, you know, I honestly think he would fare well in a faction. I don't think he's good by himself. He was great with Seth Rollins in WWE while they held the Raw Tag Team Championships. But he may come off as a little boring, a little bland, and a little stale to a lot of people by himself. That doesn't mean he's not talented. But it actually may work to his benefit to pair him in a faction, and he's got, an, uh, he's got a tremendous look. He's got a tremendous look. He's, he's built like a fucking house. He could be their muscle. They don't need muscle. They got Brody King. They don't need muscle. They got Malachi Black. But he could be that silent, deadly assassin type. Because he's got that look. He's got that personality. I think this is a great fit. I really do. Meltzer even said he's a talented guy. But he's had his shortcomings. He's had his shortcomings. Honestly, a group for Buddy Matthews, I think, would bring out the best of him. And I can't wait to see what they do with him on AEW television. And that is very... Very exciting. Moving on here, man, as we roll through the news, a couple more news articles here. WWE has Johnny Knoxville apparently scheduled for a WrestleMania match for the Intercontinental Championship. That is absolutely ridiculous. Johnny Knoxville is getting an Intercontinental Championship match at WrestleMania. He entered the Royal Rumble with one goal in mind. He wanted to win and go to WrestleMania. Sami Zayn is going to win the Intercontinental Championship from Shinsuke Nakamura tomorrow night on Friday Night SmackDown. That is already spoiled. WWE actually spoiled it themselves, so don't blame me. They spoiled it on social media. Johnny Knoxville and Sami Zayn are in this feud. Sami Zayn and Johnny Knoxville will be battling for the Intercontinental Championship at WrestleMania. Melcher says this, and I quote, It looks like Johnny Knoxville will get the IC title shot at WrestleMania. This will obviously be a marquee match given Knoxville's popularity. There was another report that followed this, that there is a veteran of the WWE locker room who currently is on TV right now who is adamant against this and absolutely fucking hates the fact that Johnny Knoxville is getting an Intercontinental Championship match, that Johnny Knoxville is in a wrestling ring getting a one-on-one match at WrestleMania. Johnny Knoxville, I don't know how long ago it was. It might have been last year, a year and a half. But he's had a brain hemorrhage. 
Johnny Knoxville had a brain hemorrhage, and WWE is allowing him at 50-plus years old to get in the ring against Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn is stiff. Sami Zayn is also safe. If there's anybody in WWE that Johnny Knoxville is going to be in good hands with, it's Sami Zayn. But I'm not even I'm not even thinking about his brain hemorrhage. They let him go into the Royal Rumble and get fucking thrown around. They had him take stiff shots from AJ Styles, of all people. And here Johnny Knoxville is getting an Intercontinental Championship match. The one thing that fucking bothers me about Johnny Knoxville at WrestleMania is the fact that he's getting a fucking Intercontinental Championship match. How many other men and women in this company don't have WrestleMania spots? But Johnny Knox was getting a WrestleMania spot. How many men on this roster would be a better fit for the Intercontinental Championship against Sami Zayn? But Johnny Knoxville is getting an Intercontinental Championship match. Somewhere Mr. Perfect is rolling over in his grave. I don't understand the fucking lack of care and love for the Intercontinental Championship. I don't want to compare the two, but I'm going to compare the two anyway. TNT's championship on Dynamite, the TNT title on Dynamite, is their version of the Intercontinental Championship. How many times have we seen that title main event a fucking Rampage or a Dynamite? A lot. Because they value their championships and they value their champions. How many times have you seen the Intercontinental Championship defended in the main event of a SmackDown or a Raw? I can't even remember the last time the Intercontinental title was in the main event of a Friday night SmackDown and treated like a big fucking deal. Nakamura held that belt for four and a half months. He, or actually longer than that, he didn't defend the title. Since SummerSlam, he won it. After SummerSlam, he didn't defend the fucking title until four and a half months after he won it. You gotta be fucking kidding me. You gotta be fucking kidding me with this shit. They kept the title on him for what? Because they lack creativity, and they don't really value the title like they really should. Nobody else on that roster would have benefited from holding the Intercontinental Championship. He had to keep it on Nakamura while he was out recovering from a hand injury. Now Johnny Knoxville's getting the Intercontinental Championship. Watch Knoxville win the fucking title. Jesus fucking Christ, man. The lineage of the IC title would be in the mud if that is the outcome at WrestleMania. What a sad situation for the overall just vibe and the prestige of the IC title, man. Holy shit. Really. That is fucking pathetic. WWE's direction for WrestleMania week in regards to talent tryouts. If you guys remember SummerSlam, WWE held that talent tryout during SummerSlam in Las Vegas. They're doing the same thing during WrestleMania week. WWE is looking to have... More tryouts. They want younger and bigger guys. That is the mentality. WWE is looking to move away from signing experienced older wrestlers. This was the overall idea for NXT 2.0. This is also why they launched their NIL program. The company will be holding talent tryouts on WrestleMania week in Dallas. Dave Meltzer reported in the latest edition of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter that WWE doesn't plan to invite more than a few independent wrestlers to the tryouts. Meltzer wrote, and I quote, This week's doctrine on new talent is more and more wanting to train athletes who are starting from scratch or almost from scratch, which we've discussed in, in depth about what WWE's mentality is. They don't want somebody like Jonathan Gresham. They don't want somebody 
on the indies that's going to come in and have their style already brought to the table. They want somebody that is going to not know anything about pro wrestling, don't have a lick of a fucking idea about pro wrestling. They want to train them and mold them in the WWE way. They only want you to think WWE is the only pro wrestling that, that exists out there. They don't want somebody that's seasoned coming on in. They want a certain look. They want big. They want football. They want huge, whether it's height or fucking bulk. They want athletes that played in other sports. They don't want pro wrestlers who were built from the ground up and pro wrestling is all they know. Pro wrestling is the only talent that they have. They don't want that. They want somebody that they could mold and brainwash in the WWE way of life. The new doctrine is more talent. Training new athletes starting from scratch. The idea is very few indie wrestlers like no more than you can count on one hand and even less going forward after that, end quote. We'll see. We'll see what WWE's got planned. You know, I don't know who said it. I believe it was somebody in AEW that said it. I don't recall who actually said it, but NXT, you know, you got your 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 stars on the show right now. Your Braun Breakers, your Tony D's, right? You got uh, your Grayson Wallers. There's some really great talent on NXT. Don't get me wrong. You still got some of the old Triple H guard there. Don't get me wrong. They know what they're doing. The thing is, with all that you bring into the Performance Center from these, these tryouts to be a part of the NL, the NIL program, your football players, your lacrosse players, your gymnasts, your fucking cheerleaders, or whoever else you're going to go out there and get. The thing is, do these people want to be a pro wrestler? It may sound good in theory. Oh, I'm going to be a WWE superstar. I'm going to try out for this. Do they want it? Do they have the heart for it? Are they going to pass this tryout? Are they going to want it after going through what I heard is a rigorous WWE training program? Not everybody's cut out to be a pro wrestler. The best pro wrestlers are the ones who have heart. The best pro wrestlers are the ones who love this sport. Do most of these people, can most of these people say that they love this sport? Have they been fans for years? Do they know their WWE history? Those are important aspects to me. Otherwise, why are you trying out? If you're a, a new age fan that started watching fucking six, seven years ago, no, I, I don't really care about that. I, I need somebody that's been ingrained in pro wrestling inside and out, has grown up with it in their childhood. That's a great way to get a feel for who wants it and who doesn't. But this is what WWE wants. This is NXT. Triple H apparently was wrong in what he was doing. But every single thing that I hear is always in a way where Triple H and his ways were never wrong. It's just Vince McMahon, Bruce Prichard, and Nick Khan didn't want Triple H to do what he was doing because his ways were right. And now they're doing everything to show us that their ways are not only right to them, but the only way to do things in WWE. And finally, guys, before we get out of here, this is a uh, another update on Mustafa Ali. Very sad situation. And I don't know what's going on with him. This itself could be a work. I have no idea. Fans that are hoping to see Ali back on WWE television or get his release, you are going to be waiting a very, very long time. Per Ali's Twitter, fans may not see him again for 
two and a half years. Ali tweeted, I'll see y'all in like two and a half years. End quote. That appears to be the time remaining on his current contract. And if WWE stays firm on not granting his release, then he will have to sit at home for the amount of time if the company opts not to use him on TV. Ali hasn't been seen on WWE television since early November. There were plans for him to start a new America storyline where Ali talked about being stereotyped. Typical Bruce Prichard and Vince McMahon. The angle was scrapped and it was later reported that something was pitched to him that he was adamant about not wanting to do. This led to an argument, a heated argument with Vince McMahon and has not been used since. Ali also stated last month that he did not want to be in the Royal Rumble and he simply wanted to have his release granted. WWE has released a few people who have asked for their release. Tony Storm, for example, asked and got it. But in general, WWE doesn't grant release requests, especially when somebody goes on social media first and says that they are putting in their release from World Wrestling Entertainment. So this may be why Ali is being forced to complete the length of his contract. At some point along the line, WWE is going to wait as long as they can to keep this guy on his current WWE deal. At some point, when they realize, and Nick Khan looks over the numbers, that why am I wasting money on this guy paying him if we're not using him on TV? Are we using Mustafa Ali on TV? Nick Khan's going to make the decision, let's get rid of him. It's not going to be next week. It's not going to be after WrestleMania. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a while. They will let him bleed out until he can't take it anymore. They will make him suffer. They will torture him, torment him. Then one day they'll give him his release, maybe next year year and a half, they're not going to pay him and not use him. WWE is not that fucking stupid. Greedy, money-hungry WWE is going to continue to pay Ali when they're not using him. They will eventually get rid of him just like they did everybody else. But it's going to be a torment and just heinous time for Mustafa Ali. They will let his contract run out as long as they can and then release him and then he will have to sit out 90 days. They're not going to actively let him go because they know where he's going to go and they know he's going to be a bigger star for it. They want that star to die in their locker room. They want that star to die by their hands. You asked on social media, you ain't being granted your release on social media. You're going to sit this one out and your punishment now needs to fit the crime. I feel bad for him. I really do. Somebody that is so creative and so talented, wasted because WWE is fucking negligent in their handling of talent. What a sad situation for Mustafa Ali. Anyway, guys, I'm about to get out of here. I've given you all that I can this week. If I hear anything else, there is any more news, you guys can expect something this weekend on OTS. Thank you guys very much for all of your support. I really do appreciate you. Hit that thumbs up. Let me know what you guys think down below for all the big stories here on Thursday night right here on OTS. Like I said, hit that thumbs up. Let's try for 1,000 likes minimum on today's OTS 415. Go follow me on social media, at JD from NY206. That's Twitter and Instagram. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. Go check out all the other content on the homepage that you might have missed. Tons of it. And make sure you guys tune in live tomorrow night. I'll be live for Friday night SmackDown and AEW Rampage. A little earlier than usual, 10.15 instead of it being 11.15 because Rampage is starting at 7 p.m. So I love that. That's going to be awesome. 
So I'll be live tomorrow night from the OTS venue right here on OTS SmackDown and Rampage. And then I'll be live for the Elimination Chamber on Saturday afternoon, somewhere around 4, 4.30. We'll go live on YouTube for the official live post-show. And if I hear anything else, like I said, I will give you guys the update in yet another OTS. Enjoy your Thursdays, guys. I'll see you on Friday live from the OTS venue for SmackDown. I'll see you guys later.